0: Take your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Would you do that? And thank you, Dr. Day. It's always a joy to just watch you. You, you, you kind of get to see the choir on the iMags. You don't get to see Dr. Day's face. I'm telling you, it's like a surgeon up here. I mean, he's direct. Wouldn't you, as a preacher, wouldn't you like to be able to do that? Just like, amen. Come. Would't you like to do? That? I mean, just once. I, I mean, it's like watching a, a, a sculptor up here direct I'm going, "Man, that's why I love this place, and I love Dr. Day. Luke tells a story in Luke chapter seven, and it's a story that has three characters in it, and as we read it today, I would like for you to ask yourself these questions: Who am I most like in this story? Who do I want to be most like in this story? And you have three choices. There is Simon, there is a sinner, and there is the Savior. Verse 36, Luke 7, Dr. Luke says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. He went into the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table, talking about Jesus. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... When she learned that she was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself... If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she is literally the sinner. And Jesus answered, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, Simon. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, Simon, which of them loved him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. He said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Every culture has etiquette to it. This is Missions Week, and if you've ever done anything in the area of missions in third world countries, you recognize right away that they're going to tell you to take off your American glasses. They're going to tell you that the culture in which you live when you get there is going to be quite different. And if you're not careful, you will embarrass yourself. You will embarrass your family. You will embarrass your church. Trust me, those are the words that have been spoken to me on several occasions. And when you get over there, there's a culture that goes with it. Every culture, every generation has rules of etiquette in which to live by, including the first century etiquette that's in this story. Now, you need to understand, as I read this text, text, there's a lot more going on in the text than what you see. You're reading it, you've heard it, and uh, like that Kellogg's cornflake commercial that says taste Kellogg's for the very first time, I'm going to ask you to think about this story and some wording in this story like you've never, ever heard it before, because our social behavior can communicate either respect and honor or communicate dishonor. Now, all of us want to communicate grace, and especially in the body of Christ, none of us want to communicate disgrace. But now, I, I thought what might be appropriate and kind of to help us get into the mood of this story, I, I thought maybe a, a little quiz for you at the very beginning of, uh, from Emily Post on first century etiquette might be good. Now, Miss, I, I want you to take this quiz with me, and we'll do a show of hands. There's not a lot of questions, but I, I just thought it might be helpful. Miss Patterson cannot play. Just so you know, she already knows all the rules. Dr. Patterson, you help yourself with this test right here. I'm sure you know none of the answers to this question right here. Ms. Patterson does, however. Hey, question number one. Here it is. When should one start eating the main course at a formal dinner? That's the question right there. When should one... Now, let's just take a survey. How many would say after the hostess is seated? Would you raise your hand? Come on, raise your hand if you think after after the host is seated. All right. B, after the hostess lifts her fork. Come on, raise your hand. All right, good. C, after three or four people are served. Which one would raise their hand? All right. And D, as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, all right, there you go. There's some of you Texans like that barbecue. Hey, the correct answer, by the way, is surprising. Now you know. No, now you know. Number two, when do you, what do you do when the person across the table has food stuck between their front teeth? Now, Emily Post is very picky about this. Hey, here's the first question. Intensely stare at the food and make them aware. <laughs> B, pick between your own teeth, hoping that you mimic the gesture and they'll get the idea. C, ask them if they're saving some for later. <laughs> D, casually let them know. Or E. None of the above don't do anything. Now, now let me tell you something. Uh, the answer is E. Emily says it's none of your, it's none of your business. You let now, let me, now my wife's not going to do that. I'm telling you, she's going to tell me I got broccoli in my teeth. But she didn't know Emily Post. The answer is E. Now you know. <laughs> Number three is it polite to ask others to pray before a meal at your house? A. The host should always be the one to say grace. B, ask the person who you believe prays the best to say grace. (laughs) This is my favorite. Put your pastor on speakerphone. Let him pray. (laughs) There you go. Or D, don't say a prayer because it may offend someone. Now, the answer is that the host should always say grace. That doesn't work at my house. Grandkids say grace. They say it better than anybody. I'm just letting you know this is etiquette. This is etiquette. I just came here to find out how etiquette Southwestern folks were. Now, this Italy Post wasn't around during the cell phone era, but let me just ask another one, because as pastors, this shows up in our church services. Here's the last one. What is the correct response when someone's cell phone goes off in church? All right, here it is. Look annoyingly at the person next to you and shake your head in utter frustration. That's been done. Make your ringtone a worship song, just in case. I like that one. (laughs) R.C., the send the a pastor the generous gift card as an apology because that was your phone. I don't know what Emily would say, but let me just tell you what this pastor would say. The correct answer is C, you send the preacher a <laughs> gift card. That's what you do. Now, now, let me tell you, in Luke 7, there are certain rules of etiquette are, that are disregarded here. Simon didn't have a bad mother. Simon knows exactly what the rules are. He knows what is expected of him and he ignores it. He ignores Jesus. He insults Jesus. And there are three rules of etiquette that he disregards. And let me tell you what they are. Number one, it's the etiquette of greeting. You always greeted with a kiss. If they were an equal, equal you would kiss them on both cheeks. If he or she was superior, you would bend down, you would kiss his or her hand. But there was always a greeting. Jesus got none of that. The greeting, uh, their etiquette of always feet washing. When the people walked, they walked for miles, and because there was open sewers and, and because of the hygiene, the servant would always wash their feet, or the host would wash their feet if he didn't have a servant. But at least there would be a basin of water provided you could wash your own feet. There was no water provided for Jesus when he got there. It was also customary in the first century to be refreshed with the olive oil and that jar for the guests to be anoint their head was a form of relaxing and refreshing because of the walk and the mile and the smell. And Jesus got no kiss for his cheek. He got no water for his feet. He got no oil for his head. He ignores ignores the social graces and that question on the table is Why? Well, he's making a statement. That's why. I mean, why would Simon invite Jesus into his home anyway and then treat him so rudely? Because of the social etiquette of the day. That's why. The social etiquette of the day is this, that when a fellow rabbi was in town teaching, which that was Jesus, it was always common for the chief rabbi in the area to invite him to the house for a meal. And so he's doing his duty. But his heart's not in it. It's a cultural expectation of doing a religious duty and to fulfill his religious duty. But here's the deal. His heart's not in it. No one was more critical of Jesus than the Pharisees. Jesus was never more critical of anyone as he was the Pharisees. Why? Because, watch this, they always approached their spirituality, watch this, in a detached way. And that's what happens in our churches. Some people want Jesus intellectually, but that's as far as it goes. Some people want Jesus emotionally, and they're okay with religion, but a deep, abiding, all out, committed, life changing, let your hair down, sacrificial, 724 12 365 lifestyle. No thanks. And let me tell you this is the problem the problem with, with Him is what the problem is in our fellowships, and sometimes can be the problem in ministry. Because here's the the first point of this message today. Religion always focuses on duty. Relationships focus on desire. And you can get to the place where this becomes. You may not even call it that. Duty. I don't need to remind you. You can backslide with a Bible under your arm. Singing in a chapel choir, taking Hebrew and Greek. I don't need to remind you that people in your church will come, and they will come out of a sense of duty. Their heart's not there. That's why they don't come that often. They're there. It's a girlfriend's ultimatum. It's somebody's expectation. Let me ask you this. Why are you here? Habit? Hear me well. We have no interest in making you in this seminary more religious. Jesus has no interest in making you more religious. And I would say to you as kind of a takeaway into this first point for, for you and I, for all of us, including this guy behind the pulpit, speaking is this. Number one, don't confuse. Ready for this? Don't confuse activity with intimacy. Mary had a little lamb, grew to become a sheep, then became a Baptist and died from lack of sleep. You've heard that, right? We can be busy. We can be busy. The second thing I would say is don't confuse knowledge with spirituality. So you ask yourself the question, what do you want, Simon? What does Simon want? What does this woman want? Simon knows the message. He's intellectually interested. He wants to discuss it. It's it's social for him. It's intellectual. But, But don't miss the irony of this moment. Don't miss the irony of the moment. Simon has been to rabbinical school. I mean, before he's 12, he's, he's already memorized the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. By the time he's 15, he'll have the entire Old Testament practically memorized. There's more than 300 prophecies of the Messiah. It's ready available, and he doesn't know the Messiah is right there at the table. His whole life has been dedicated to the knowledge and the study, looking for Messiah, and the Messiah is at the table, and he misses it. Why? Listen to me. Let me tell you why. Because he has divided the message from the man. Let me give you a little preaching tip here. Everybody likes practical sermons. There's nothing wrong with talking about intimacy. There's nothing wrong with talking about how to be a better work employer, how to be a better neighbor. But listen to me. Listen to me. You and I are calling in the gospel of Jesus Christ Is to talk about the man The man is our message You can't separate the message from the man You can build a crowd And you can build people And they can come But let me tell you something That's lore room identity Lower room identity is when you ask a person why they come to church, they give you a lower room answer. And that lower room answer is simply saying, well, I come because of the programs. I come because of the people. I come because of the place. This is my place. I come because of the personality. And all those are good, but when they change, they change. But the higher room, the upper room answer is this. I come because of the mission. I come because of the strategy, because of the values of this church. Let me tell you something. You're listening to a man who understands and been on both sides. It's always easier to get caught up in the whirlwind into the swirl of trying to say, man, I got to build a crowd. Somebody down the street, that's where they're going. They got cooler music. You can hold a coffee cup when you can preach. Listen to me. All that is lower room unless you give them the message. You can't separate the message from man, and that's what religion does. That's what Simon has done. It, it, that, that way is, it, is the culture that we live in. Someone says, well, I, I don't believe Jesus is the only way. That way is too narrow. What I think is he's shown us a better way. It's, it's the message. We need to preach the message of love and kindness and peace. And all religion has that. But let me tell you something. That's a message of good works. And when you divide the man from the message and you divide the master from the message and the Messiah from the message, you don't have a message. So let me tell you about Simon here. Number one, he was ignorant of his condition. Simon was a self-righteous Pharisee. He sees this woman who's disgusting in his eyes, breaking the alabaster box, wiping his feet, wiping her hair down. And by the way, when, when they did that, you have to understand the people gasped when she walked in, let her hair down. That's grounds for divorce. That's too much of a public, intimate gesture here in public. And she can't stop from crying. And Simon looks at her, and he's appalled. You know why? Because he doesn't think maybe Jesus knows who she is. And he's saying, you know, if, if he doesn't, he's not divine. If he does, he's not pure. And he thinks he has Jesus over barrel. Simon would never do this because, listen to me, Religion always wants to stay calm and in control. Doesn't want to get too radical. Doesn't want to get too committed. You have people that you preach to, and here's what they say. Me? Too much? I mean, I come again? Come back tonight? Come back the next week? I mean, you want me to come like two and three weeks in a row? You want me to give? You want me to come and study? You want me to be in a life group? You want me to be in a small group? See, worship's about the man, and the man is Jesus. And we'll worship him a lot in a sacrificial way. When we see our condition and we see our need, she knows her need. She walks in and Luke says, she's the sinner. She's got a card and it says escort on it. She knows shame. She knows guilt. She knows prophecy. She knows abuse. She knows betrayal. She doesn't have the Old Testament. Here's the irony. She doesn't have the Old Testament memorized. She doesn't know the messianic prophecies. She doesn't have religion. All she has, and I don't know when it happened, but she heard him teach, and she has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And She didn't go to Simon's house to see Simon. And I want to tell you something. Sinners are not coming to your church to hear you preach. And if you think you're, you're, you're waiting for them to say that their life is falling apart, let me tell you something. The world They don't feel like their life is falling apart. There's more stuff on the Internet for self-help today, and they're doing self-help and self-salvation. And, and so really all they're looking for is a seminar. Don't give it to them. Like, give them what they need, not what they want. They, they need, they need a, a, a sermon. They need a message. They need to see Jesus. And she didn't go to Simon's house to see Simon. And I'm afraid if the motives were known, some of us couldn't say that. So every every time, even in ministry, you have to ask yourself, is this a duty or is this a devotion? Simon is ignorant of of his condition. You know what his condition is? He's dead. If If you go to Africa with Dr. Patterson and you happen to get mauled by a lion, perish the thought. If he doesn't shoot him first, that lion, you'll be dead. And he has seen pictures and he has heard of stories and has been close himself to brutal, dead, ugly, horrifying death by a lion. But, but what's this? Another friend gets bit by a poisonous spider and dies. Now, let me ask you a question. Which one's more dead? Pretty dead or ugly Dead. See, he sees her and says, She's ugly, dead. Simon's led a nice life. He's got a respectable life. This woman's led a broken, sinful, messed up life. Because religion says I need a message. And relationship says I need a savior. Simon had an impersonal religion, not a personal relationship. He's saying I'm okay, but he wasn't. You mean you mean you mean you want me to weep and sacrifice and let my hair down? Are you kidding me? I don't get the nails. I don't get the blood. I don't get this cross. I don't get this sacrifice. Sure you don't. You know why? You've never, ever wept over your sin. Let your hair down. Get committed. You always want to stay in control. He's ignorant of his condition. I'll tell you something I'll see. It's indifferent to Jesus' cost. Forgiveness never happens without somebody getting hurt. There's no cheap forgivenesses. Salvation here is seen as a debt. A debt means somebody's got to pay. The debtor doesn't pay. The creditor pays. And if you default on a loan, the bank has to eat it. You don't pay. They pay. And the difference is Simon didn't understand the depth and the debt of his sin. You know what sin is? Jesus is the lender. Everything you have is on loan. Your body, your brains, your talent, your IQ. Now, watch this. One owes 500 denarii. That's a year's wages. He tells the story, and Jesus says, the other knows a month wages, 50 denarii. It didn't matter. Neither one could pay. Debt is dead. Debt is debt. He wasn't saying this. Watch this. He wasn't saying, Simon, you're not a big-time sinner. That's not his point. He's saying here, Simon, you're a small-time lover. That's what he's saying. So my question today, has it it gripped you to the depth of your sin? The gospel's not for the the prostitute and the drug addict and the pedophile and the homosexual. The gospel is for us. The gospel is no such thing as a good person in his sight. We have been bit by a deadly spider, and we are dead. And so she comes hungry. The point of this message is simply this: When I leave, if you don't forget if you forget anything, I don't want you to forget this: that the point of this message is that every time we stand in the pulpit, every time we are in in, in our classes, we come hungry to the Word of God. Why? We know who we are, we know the story, we know what we've done. Here's the second thing: Jesus cares more about authenticity than formality. It makes you wonder what she heard. Did she hear that God's the God of the second chance? Did she hear that no one's gone too far? Did, did she hear Jesus tell a story and, and he repeated uh, about a woman at a well who had five husbands? I don't know. But Jesus looks at her and I'm gonna tell you, she's seen a hundred men look at her and she knows that look of condemnation and that's not what she got. And she's seen that look of lust and that's not what she got. And she feels value and she feels worth. And our problem, our problem is many times we've made our church houses feel like Simon's house. Everybody welcome in your church? There's a difference between approval and acceptance. You don't have to prove everything. But can you accept them? Or is there such a thing that, you know, people, I, you know, I don't know. And, and by the way, it's not, just, it's not just out there in the congregation. It's us preachers. Can I be honest with you? Sure I can. Years ago at our church, there was a man in the choir. You remember what those are, choirs? Um, it, there was a man that had a choir. He was in a choir, and he, and he was in his 60s. I thought he was old enough to know better, frankly. And he had a headband on. And it bothered me. No, no, it bothered me. I, I said to my minister of music, Dr. Ron Upton, I said, what's the deal with the guy in the long hair and the headband? 60, Ron. He goes, I knew he was going to ask about that. I said, Ron, it doesn't even match his role. I'm just telling you. Amen. Confession's good for the soul, bad for the reputation. He said, I knew he was going to ask about that. He's been hurt in church, and I didn't want to drop one more rule on him. Pastor, can you just, can you give me just, a, can you give me a little time? I said, you got three weeks. People out there were going, I mean, now when I was praying, and, it, and, I, and I thought, you only drawing attention. I, I, just, I, I judged his heart. He's drawing attention to himself. Well, one Sunday, he walked up to me. His name is Jim Claflin. He's just an old biker is what he is. He walked up, and he said, hey, Pastor, um, could we have lunch this week? I said, well, yeah. He said, I got something I'd like to ask you. I said, I got something I'd like to ask you. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, my minister music, spineless, can't get it done. I'll get it done. I'm just telling you. He had no idea what I was feeling. Had no idea I had any conversations with Dr. Ron. We sat there at lunch. I never felt more ashamed in my life. With tears streaming down his cheeks, he said, Pastor, one of my biker friends this week was killed. I wanted to have lunch with you because that's your world, not my work. I've never been in one of these, but they're having something tonight. I don't know what they call it, a wake. Yeah, a wake, a wake, like a visitation or something. What is that? I said, oh, they're coming to comfort the family and view the body, and is that what they're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well here's my question, Pastor. I got any he on his track and said, listen, I'd like to give this to my biker friends because my friend went to hell. I don't want any of my biker friends go to hell. You think, I, I don't know. Can you do that? In, is this okay at a wake? I said, Jim, that may be the most godless thing I've ever heard. He said, Pastor, you had something you wanted to ask me about. What do you want to ask me about? I said, we just wanted to tell you, you and Georgette, it's been so good to have you at the fellowship of the church. And that Sunday morning, I, I knew the Spirit of God. Public sins, public confession. And private sins, private confession. Personal sins, personal confession. And so at the end of my service, I said, now don't leave. I got something I need to tell you. And I'm ashamed to tell you, but I need to tell you and ask you to forgive me for something. He got real quiet quick. <laughs> I said, Mo- um, most of you know that my, our buddy Jim back here wears that headband, and that, that probably bothered you, but it's really bothered me. And I feel so ashamed of myself because I've been a hypocrite. And I've asked you to forgive me. I've, I've had the spirit of a, of a Pharisee. I've asked Jim to forgive me. I've asked you. would you forgive me? I knew they did. You know how I knew? Because that night when the choir got in the loft, all the men took their ties off and wrapped them around their head. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I, knew, I knew that they did. Listen, Jesus cares more about authenticity than his formality. Here's the last thing, and that is this. The gospel will always be seen as scandalous and ridiculous when worship is openly displayed. You gave what? You're doing what? Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not big. I listen, just in the know of this, I'm not big on minister to music, hyping the crowd and manipulating the crowd. And, if you love Jesus, smile. If you love Jesus, lift your hand. Let's do it. I, I'm not big into that. I, I mean, I'm here to see Jesus, not you. But, but let me tell you something on the flip side. I'm not big on somebody saying, well, you know, he shouldn't have his hand up either. You don't know where he's come from. You don't know her life story. You don't know what she's saying, what she's doing. And it will look ridiculous and it will look scandalous when the gospel will be seen and worship is openly displayed. She breaks this alabaster box. They gasp, was this reckless? Of course it was reckless. Was it impulsive? Of course it was impulsive. Did Jesus like it? He absolutely did. You go to church how many times? Simon, religious, who you like around this table? Making sure you're in control. Jesus is nice, but not necessary. Pretty good person. Separating the message from the man. Once a great lesson, but you know, you'd kind of just like to have your church like like your steak, kind of medium, not too rare, not too well done. You know what Simon got? He got just what he was looking for a discussion, a life lesson, and a seminar. But let me tell you something, listen to me. Your love for Jesus is a direct response to how deeply forgiven you feel yourself to be. You are a debtor that cannot pay it back. And your ability to love people or love life is completely based on how deeply you see your sin. And how beautifully you see yourself forgiven. If you see yourself sinful, you'll be humble, too humble to hold a grudge. Are you like Simon? Are you like this woman? I you mean, know, all of us have Simon days, all of us have this woman days too. Look at her, overcome, what's this, overcome by sins and deadness, overwhelmed by her Savior's worthiness, overjoyed by salvation's forgiveness. Her love is passionate. It's pure. And the language, is, it's a continual weeping and a continual kissing. And the people are going, oh. But they don't know who she is, do they? See, so you can leave like Simon or you can leave like this woman. You can go away confused and angry and detached and unaffected. Or you can go away totally transformed. And Jesus says, go in peace. And your life will be an adventure of peace. I thought just before we could close, I'd show you something, and then we'll wrap it up. I think sometimes a picture's worth a thousand words. Now, because this is Missions Week, I thought I'd show you something with language speaking. Now, they got some subtitles, so you'll be able to pick it up. But I want you to see something, and I want you to see what forgiveness looks like, and then I'll come back, and I'll just close this. What's this. Then we'll close That's a, the true move video. That coming up? อีกก็ Stand with me, would you please? There's a difference in this story, in the video, and your story and mine. First of all, you didn't do anything to get forgiveness for. It wasn't because of your kindness. They looked down at you and said, I'll forgive you. So who you like in this story? Simon that really doesn't need him. Or this woman who's so overwhelmed by her indebtedness. So overcome by the Savior's worthiness, so overjoyed by salvation's forgiveness, that she can't help but look obnoxious to the world. Are you like Jesus? Willing to say to the person next to you, I forgive you because you don't know how big a sinner I really am, my own self. Would you bow your heads, Father, as we leave here the last few announcements and walk out? you have entrusted to us the gospel, a man and his message that cannot be divided. Lord, our calling is not to build a cooler church, our more hip church. We're not to lower any standard. We ought to be receptive. People ought to be able to feel free to come into our place. And God, would you forgive us when we have made your house look like Simon's house? And may people understand more about a relationship with Jesus and about the rules and regulations that we may place. I have played the Pharisee myself. I only come here as these men to say, don't do that. And God, I thank you. I thank you for the education my own daughter's getting. I thank you for the love that's in this place. Lord Jesus, may this week you call people out into the world far away to find people far away from you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said.